We're going to start a minute early because we've got a lot of stuff we want to get through. So this is biology 378-380, introduction to immunology. Hopefully you're all in the right room. Looks like it's going to be really, really tight in here. I mean, this is the first time I've ever had more than this room could possibly handle. All right, if anybody needs a, uh, a syllabus as you're walking in, let me know, and we can get some extra ones going. All right. So the course itself is clearly introduction to immunology. Half the people in here probably aren't going to be in the labs. Half the people are going to be in the labs. And the other half want to be in the labs. So to begin with, right, we're going to meet tomorrow, Thursday, for the lab. So everybody who's enrolled in the lab is going to show up. Everybody who wants to be in the lab is going to show up. And I guess anybody who doesn't want to be in the lab isn't going to show up, all right? So if you're enrolled in the lab, you have to show up. I have to know that you want to take the lab because there's a really long waiting list for this course. So I need to know that you're going to be there, all right? If there's anybody who's a freshman or a sophomore, I'm just going to unregister you from the lab, right? Because the lab is going to be for juniors and seniors. If you're a freshman, first of all, you shouldn't even be in here. If you're a sophomore, right, then you'll have plenty of time to be able to take the lab, but we have to make as much room as we can. So there's going to be, have I said it enough times? We're going to meet tomorrow, all right? Everybody who wants to be there and everybody who doesn't want to be there. And I will remind you again before the day is, before the day is done. So let's go through the syllabus. So the first thing you're going to see is you know, who I am, where I am. My office is in the Wheatley building. It's on the same level as the biology office is. When you get off and through those double doors, instead of making a, a, a right to go to the bio office, make the left, that's where my office is. It's room 004. I'm usually in my office. If I'm not in my office, I'm in my laboratory. My laboratory is in the Wheatley building as well. It's on the fourth floor and it's room 086, okay? So if you need to get in touch with me, you can show up whenever you want, and if I'm, you know, available to talk, we can talk about whatever it, whatever it needs to be, all right? I do have office hours, a whole bunch of different office hours, so you should be able to track me down anytime you want to. If you can't get and see me and you want to send me an email to set up an office appointment or to talk about something, then just email me, okay? I should be able to get in touch with you relatively soon. So let's talk about the course for a second. The course itself is, or for the, for the lecture part of the course, right? Everybody's going to take this part of the course at the same time. Everybody's going to take the same tests. Everybody's going to take the same final. Everybody's going to do the same presentation. People are going, what? Presentation? We'll talk about that in a minute, right? So everyone, everything starts in this room in terms of the academic part of the course. The course itself is basically set up in quarters, right? Or I'm not quarters, in fourths. So 25% of your grade are going to be the exams, right? So there's two exams during the semester and a final. So that's 75% of your grade. And then the other 25% of the grade, and this, is, this might actually be the last year we ever do this. So you might be the, the very last people to do this. Because if this course gets this much bigger, 
we couldn't do possibly do presentations, right? So the last 25% of your grade is for a presentation grade. And the presentation grade is everybody's going to do a presentation. Right? It means you're going to be up here for six minutes and you're going to talk about something that has to do with immunology. And I always tell this on the very first day so that if you want to drop right away, you can drop right away if you don't want to, right? Now, in terms of presentations, I don't do it to piss anybody off or to try to make, you know, whatever the reason is. I do it to try to force people to stand up here and talk scientifically. Right, to a to a room full of your peers, right? Most of you are juniors and seniors. A lot of you are going to go to graduate school. A lot of you want to go to medical school. A lot of you might go into the biotechnology industry. In all of those places, you are going to have to speak rationally about science. Right? You're going to have to deliver sort of a, a little snippet of what's going on with you in biology. I don't care if it's graduate school or medical school. Right? So you have to be able to communicate effectively with somebody about a, some sort of a subject. It's going to be practice for you in this, in this course. Better that you make a mistake here, you know, and you don't feel so uncomfortable in front of a whole big room of people, right? rather than where it really counts, in front of your med school interview. In, well, you'd be the interviewee in front of your med school interviewer, right? or, in, or in your graduate school, if you go for an interview in graduate school, or if you're going to a biotechnology company and you need to talk to somebody in the HR department, or the scientist in which laboratory you are going to be working. That's the reason we do it, and that's the reason the biology department wants people to do these things, not to just you know, do it to upset everybody, right? Better to do it here, better to do some practice, right? And be able to make a mistake in this room than to make a mistake where it really counts, right? But we'll talk about this later on as the semester goes on, right? right? The other part about this course that gets kind of confusing is Right? So when the registrar looks at the course, the registrar decides, well, this is two separate courses. One of the courses is Bio 378, and one of the courses is Bio 380. Right? So to be able to not have that happen, right, I've told the registrar that we want to basically have our exam on the same day, right, our final exam. So the final exam right, is going to be Monday, December 19th, right? I mean, we haven't even been in this room for five minutes. I'm already talking about the final. All right, but I want to, you know, we just want to make these sort of uh, things that will affect the course later on, you know, get to the bottom of them today. Right, so everybody's going to take the final on the same day. I think last year it was okay. It worked out all right. Hopefully this year it's going to work out all right. Right, when you go and you look at that master schedule for finals, you can tell whatever's going to happen. Right? But all the 378 people, all the 380 people are going to take the final at the same time. Okay. In terms of the way in which the course is laid out, right, you can see on the second page of the syllabus, right, doesn't it? the exams are basically a third of the way through. And most of the exams are around the time when other exams are given. Right, historically, right? Other biology uh, courses give their exams. So beginning of October, beginning of November, 
and then the final at that point in time. The, I try to get those two exams done before November 10th, right, for a pass-fail or a withdrawal deadline. Because with those two exams, right, by that time you will have, you know, you know what my exams are going to be like, you will have felt what my exams are going to feel like, so you'll have half your grade already. And then you can make a decision, do I want to make it pass-fail, do I want to be able to withdraw from the course, right? So that's why the exams are, are, are sort of scheduled that way, okay? In times gone by for doing this course, I've come to find that juniors and seniors do just fine in this course, right? Somebody who's below a junior or senior doesn't do so good in the course. So if you're a sophomore in here, and if you got in here somehow, I would maybe think about not taking the course. Because during, the, during the, the time of the course, I'm going to assume that you know a lot about biology. I'm going to assume you know a lot about molecular biology. I'm going to assume you know what a restriction in the nuclease is. I'm going to assume you know what cDNA is. Your juniors or seniors in the biology or all biology majors. Right, by now you should know all those things. In the past, other sort of junior and senior students have taken this course. I've had anthropology majors take the course. I've had nursing students take the course. And because they have a little bit of biology background and they're juniors or seniors, they do just fine. Now, I'm not going to deregister you if you're in 380 and you're a, a sophomore or a freshman or somehow you got to get into this course, but I would suggest maybe that you don't want to take the course, right? That's just my, just my caveat to start, all right? So the book that I use, I know that all my lecture material are going to be on, right? And my lecture material is all in PowerPoints. And I'm trying out something new this year. I'm using this Camtasia thing where I can record, you know, the entire lecture and maybe put it online. But that might come later on. Anyway, this is the book. Right? It's Kubi Immunology. It's the sixth edition. Right? So all the pictures in my PowerPoint presentations come out of this book. Okay? You don't want to buy this book? That's fine with me. Right? I don't get a quarter for every book that gets sold by this. Right? And I don't know who Kubi is, so I don't know any of these people. Right? If you have a book that a friend has, if you have a book that you can take out of your library, if you have a book that is cheaper someplace else, use that book. Right? I think that everybody should have a book because if it's, you know, like the two days to go before the exam and you start to panic and you come to my office and I'm not there because it's Friday afternoon at 5 o'clock, <laughs> or if you email me and perhaps my phone battery went dead and I didn't check my email, you're going to have a place to turn. Right? Or maybe you'll read through the book and maybe you'll decide, man, his lectures stink. He did so much better with the book, right? I'll, you know, I'll listen to the lecture and I'll find out what he needs to, what you know, I need to do to get an A on the test. But the book is a better explanation. Or you could say, gee. That, what we were talking about today in lecture was really interesting. Let me go into the book and see if there's anything else that, you know, I could learn about that particular subject. Right? So it's going to be, I think, right, you should always have a book. The only thing I would say about the book is to make sure, right, 
it's no more than five or six years old. Right? If you have, you know, Kubia Meology from 1963, uh, it's not going to be such a good book, right? So make sure the book that you have is about five, you know, five, within five, six years from now. The bookstore has it, I hope. I mean, I tell them to go over there, but, you know, I should cover up my microphone when I say this, but I hate the bookstore, right? You hate the bookstore. You're going to go to the bookstore. You're going to buy this book for $100. You're not going to do anything with it. You're going to leave it in your backpack. You're going to leave it on your desk. You're going to bring it back to the bookstore in January, and they're going to say, sure, we'll take it back for $6, right? <laughs> so you don't have to go to the bookstore, right? I don't get extra salary if you buy something in the bookstore. Go to FedEx. If you go onto the web page, I do have a web page. We'll talk about that in a second. Right, if you want to go, right, you can, right, there's all sorts of different things. I have a whole bunch of different things on the web page about buying the book, comparing the book online, renting the book, making an e-book, putting it in your Kindle, you know, watching it on your iPad, you know, whatever else, right? There's a whole bunch of different options these days for books. The other thing that I do is I put this, the sixth edition, I put the fifth edition in the library, right? Yeah, it's not so outdated from the sixth edition, but if you can't make it, if you're if you're around, if you want to see the book, if you know a lot of the pictures are the same, it's on reserve in the library. The fifth edition, though. Okay. Okay. The other thing that will be important for you is the course web page. So this is the computer that sits on my desk, and before I even say that, I'm. I'm in the process of putting all this stuff onto Blackboard, right? I've always had my own sort of server on my computer in my office, but if the power ever goes out and my computer doesn't come back on and there's a test on Monday, which happened last semester, right? And everybody got all mad because, you know, they, they wanted all the PowerPoint slides on Saturday night for the whole first part of the course so they could study for the test on Monday but they got mad at me. Anyway, so I'm trying to move towards Blackboard. So as soon as I get everything over to Blackboard, I will let you know, right? But this is the web page, and on the, right, on the syllabus, right on front, right, it gives you the address. You don't have to put a www. I don't know why you don't have to do that, but you don't have to do it. So when you get here, well, you're going to get to here, you're going to get to here, you're going to have to give the, the top secret password, which is 378380. Now I let the whole word know about it, and boom. So now you're on the course. Well, you know, blah, 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 it's a regular world website. But if you want any of the lecture notes, you can go get them. Right? So every single lecture note is going to be online. So you don't have to worry. Some people like to have the lectures beforehand so they can jot down in the margin, you know, as all this stuff is going on. The other thing that's there is, right, here's an old test. Right, this is, la this is one of uh, the tests from years gone by. There's the test, there's the answers, blah, 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 blah. All right, so all that stuff is there. Right, here's all the things about you know, where you can rent the book, where you can get the iPad version of the book, whatever you want to do, some study suggestions. Another thing about the final exam, right, we're all taking it on the same day. The other thing that the web page has and which will be up next week is, a, is the online quiz. Right, so every week I'm going to put an online quiz up here. It's going to be worth, I forget what it's worth, 
like two and a half points every week. If you want to go and take the online quiz, you can go and take the online quiz. I always tell people you'd be foolish not to take the online quiz, right? Because all these points are going to get added to your raw score on your exam, right? So there'll be a bunch of quizzes, then we'll have an exam. Everybody who took the quiz and did okay on the quiz, all that raw score will be added to the first exam. Then there'll be some more quizzes in between the first and the second, then there'll be some more quizzes, blah, blah, you get the idea. So, quizzes are gonna go up every Monday morning by nine o'clock or so. And the quiz is gonna come down every Friday morning. Right, by about 9 o'clock or so. So it means you have a whole week to do it. Right? If I get an email, right, and you got to send it to me on email, right? Please, I don't know, just don't hand it in to me, right? So what it means is, right, you could take this template, you could copy it someplace else, you could put your first name in, and you could, you know, put your email, then you could email it to me, or you could just answer the quizzes in the body of an email, send me the email, right? But it's got to come through the email got to come through the email and it's got to be to me by 9 o'clock Friday morning. Right? So the only way I'm going to know if it got to me at 9 o'clock Friday morning is I'm going to rely on right, this web server at the university, it's timestamp. So if you, you know, sort of wake up and you decide you want to do it Friday morning, please click the send button you know, at 8 o'clock rather than clicking the send button at 8.59, because by the time it makes its way through the internet and gets all the way to me, it might get to be by 9.10, and then I'm not gonna take it. Right, come on. So you have a whole week to do it, right? So, these quizzes will be there each week, you know, and it basically is going to follow the stuff that we're doing in lecture for that week. Right? And then there's always going to be an announcements page. I'm always, I'm always going to do announcements for the week. Right? So here's immunology, first lab meeting. Oh, did I tell you everybody has to come to the lab? Oh, did I tell you you have to show up at the lab or you'll lose your spot? Yes, about nine times already. Right. So this is going to be the course website. And hopefully there's not going to be any power problems. There's not going to be any power breakdown. Uh, for people who are taking 378, Right, the, the lab portion, we'll talk about this in lab, but you can get all the other things for lab in here as well. Okay. All right, so that's the web page. What else do we need to talk about? All right, any sort of general questions before we get right into things? So are you going to try to post the recording of the lecture right after the lectures, or just trying it out? If I can figure it out and I have enough time, yeah, I'm going to try to put them online. I don't know how to do any of that stuff yet because I'm brand new to this whole stuff, but we'll see what's going on. It'll be my, my experimentals. Yeah? What's an FSG? A what? I don't know what that is. <laughs> what is it? Welcome to 300 level biology. <laughs> no, really, it's the first time I've ever heard about that. Yeah. Yep. Hopefully it's working and, and I'm recording everything that's going on. All right. 
So in terms of the course itself, right, you're going to be sort of lost for a while. I promise you'll be lost for a while. Because right? there's a lot of jargon in immunology, and there's a lot of sort of new terms, and there's a lot of abbreviations and stuff. Right? So you'll, you'll be lost for a while. That's just the way it is. We're, we need to start speaking the same language. Right? So some of the, the abbreviations I use, or some of the jargon I use, or some of the introductory sort of things that we have to start doing, right, might take us a while to communicate effectively. Okay? And that's, that's okay. Right? That's going to happen. Because right? hopefully we'll have some new terms, and we'll have some new sort of concepts, and we'll have some new ideas to go. And after, hopefully, you know, the first week or so, we'll all be on the same page. Right? You'll get used to my accent, you'll get used to my abbreviations, right? so we'll be able to go forward from there. The thing about it is, if it gets to be, you know, two or three weeks from now, right, and, you, and let's say it gets to be by, I don't know, pick a date, September 19th, and the exam's going to be in another three weeks, and you're still not getting it, come and see me. Right? I'm here every day. I usually get here by quarter to eight, depending upon what the expressway looks like. I usually leave by you know, quarter to five or so. So I don't think there's really any excuse for that, you know, for that you couldn't come to see me and sort of talk about things. Gee, I'm, you know, I don't get it. I'm not really following what's going on here. Can you explain it to me? Right? That's, why I get, that's why I get paid here. Right? It's not that I'm going to try to dodge people or not talk to people. If you have a problem, if there's something that you don't understand, come see me now. Right? First test, October 5th, a Wednesday. Please don't come see me Tuesday afternoon. Could you explain what you were talking about from lecture one to lecture seven? Right, that's not going to work. Right? If you have some, you know, if you have some concise, you know, some some really, you know, not broad questions, you know, but some, you know, absolute questions. Yes, come and see me. Right? We can we can all get on the same page, and that will happen faster if. We try to get on the same page at the, you know, early on during the during the semester. Okay. So, should we start? Any other sort of logistical questions? Right. My first day at school when I was an undergrad was the best part was okay. Well, that's all we got for today. See ya. Sorry, that doesn't happen. <laughs> I used to like it. I'm sure you like it. But there's so much stuff that we got to get through that. Right? We really just got to get right to it. So if we have no other questions, let's start. So like I said, this is what my lecture format is. Right? I got slides, I got pictures, <laughs> but right, this is a give and take. If anybody has any questions, anybody has you know, any sort of things that you want to ask as we're going through the lectures, then absolutely, right? We will stop and we will talk about things. Okay. So, like I said before, a lot of jargon, a lot of you know, sort of new words, new concepts. And the other part about it is, 
we really don't have a good starting point. It's not like cell biology where we could say, oh yes, once upon a time on the planet, cells started to happen. And the cells got bigger and they got more complex and they have cell membranes and blah. Right? We don't have that. Right? In immunology, I don't have A is for apple and B is for bear. And, right? So we've got to sort of start right in the middle of it. Right? We're going to jump right into the middle of, of the, the, the concept of immunology and the science of immunology. And that's why eh, the boat might be a little rocky for a while. Because right? you've got to be able to learn you know, the language of immunology. Right? So we don't have a good place to start, so we're just going to be able to jump right in. So what do we have for immunology? Right? It's a study of the cellular and molecular events that occur after an organism encounters pathogens and other foreign macromolecules. Okay, so that's a pretty big chunk of a sentence. So let's break it down. All right? We're going to study. right? these different things that are happening. So we have cellular events and we have molecular events. And by molecular events, I don't mean like molecular biology and DNA, although that's going to be a huge component. I'm talking about secreted molecules. Right? So we have cells, and they're usually going to be the white blood cells of the circulatory system. So we have a cellular response and we're going to have a secreted molecule response, right? So these cells are going to be able to secrete chemicals that are going to be able to protect us. The events that occur after an organism, right? so let's stop right there. So the organisms we're going to be talking about are basically us. And by us, I could be saying either people or I could say either mammals. So that's the us that we're going to talk about. We'll be talking about humans and we'll be talking about mice, basically. Because the mouse is the experimental animal of the study of the immune system. Right? If it wasn't for mice, we would hardly know anything about the immune system. So that's the organism that we're talking about, or the organisms that we're talking about. But right, there are defense pathways and defense events that every animal on the planet is going to be able to use. Right? If we're talking about people and we're talking about mice, we're generally talking about other animals as well. So we're basically talking about your dog. We're basically talking about your cat, if you're so inclined. We're basically talking about your fish. We're basically talking about your reptiles. We're basically talking about Right? I don't know, maybe you have some amphibians as some pets. We could be basically talking about, you know, some sort of crab. Perhaps you were at the shore this summer and you bought one of those crabs and you put in your terrarium. We could be talking about that organism as well. We could also be talking about if we really wanted to pull this apart and generalize as much as we can, we could be talking about that plant that's growing in your living room as well. Right? That would be a stretch, but plants have ways to defend themselves against invaders as well. But in general, we're talking about you, and, or me too, we're talking about us, and we're talking about mice. There's a big sort of break point between right, invertebrates and vertebrates. The things we're talking about in this class, you can find 
in animals that are going down to probably cartilaginous fish. Right, absolutely bony fish we're talking about, everything we're talking about in here. Right, so bony fish are things like, you know, goldfish and, and, and striped bass and, and things like that. When we get to cartilaginous fish, and again, right, cartilaginous fish are things like sharks. Yeah, gets a little different. But anything below a shark on the evolutionary ladder, totally different. Well, there'll be a lot of things that are similar, but for, for when we're talking about humans, it will be totally different. So, right, these organisms are going to encounter pathogens. Right? So what's a pathogen? Pathogen is any uh, sort of entity that's capable of causing a disease. It's a very generalized statement. Right? So encounters pathogens and other foreign macromolecules. Right? What's a foreign macromolecule? A foreign macromolecule is any sort of protein that's coming not from you. So when you get stung by a bee, your body's going to have a reaction to that bee sting toxin. If you get bit by a spider, right, your body's going to have a reaction to that spider toxin. If you brush up against a poisonous plant, and the most common poisonous plant I could think of is poison ivy, your body's going to have a response to poison ivy, right, to the oils in that poison ivy. So these are the foreign macromolecules. The word uh, immunity comes from the Latin immunatus, and it was basically a definition for public officials being exempt from any sort of civil duties. They were protected from lawsuits, right? And we're still, right, we still have those protections for our governing folks today, right? If you don't like a law, you can't sue your congressman because they thought about a different sort of law. And you can't sue the state legislature because, you know, they put through a law that banned something that you were interested in. Right? You can't take them to court, but if you want to change the law, right, we have all those avenues, right, you can sign petitions and get things on the ballot. But your individual lawmakers are protected from being sued. Right? So that's where the, the derivative of the word for immunology comes from. So. We all have immune systems, right? And they are basically the cells and molecules, right? These same cellular and molecular events, the cells and molecules responsible for immunity, right? For that protection that this system is going to afford us. So if we have all these players that are inside of our bodies ready to protect us, we can have an immune response. Right? The collective and coordinated response to the introduction of a foreign substance. Right? It's all about a foreign substance. The more foreign, the better. Right? So you can have these cells, you can have these molecules that are going to all be teamed together to try to rid the body of this particular pathogen. Okay? So, there's another type of immunity, right? When does survivor start? Two weeks from now. Right? This might be the type of immunity you're used to, but not so much. These bacteria don't like this part, right? So that's the, what we're going to be studying today, right? And for the, for the next couple of, of months is the immune system. So we do have, right, a history of man trying to figure out 
what's going on. We can see that there are Egyptian hieroglyphics that have been found that basically describe fever. So this is the hieroglyphic that was found, and I'm not really up on my hieroglyphics, right? But I know that the block, falcon, falcon, bread, isn't so important. The important part here is the burning spear, right? The burning spear with, with humor coming off of the burning spear, right? So this Egyptian word, right? These are, these are sort of the phonetic sort of sounds that you would need to be able to pronounce this concept. And this concept was shemet, right? Inflammation or fever. And it was basically uh, described by the burning spear, right? Feeling hot, right? When people get a fever, right? Everybody's had experience with the burning spear, right? The burning spear of fever. So this was the earliest sort of, of description of people trying to get a feeling for what was going on during a fever, right? Or, or inflammation. The first real mention of immunity, right, was by the ancient Greeks in the fifth fifth century B.C. Right, Thucydides described this weird thing that was going on on the battlefield. Right? So, if we're the Greeks and we're fighting, I don't know whoever we're fighting at that point in time. I, I never saw the 300, so I don't know if it was the Sumerians or the I don't know whoever we're fighting. Right, so. We're out there on the battlefield, and we have our spears, and we have our swords, and we have our arrows, right? And clearly, a lot of people are dying from mortal wounds of warfare. But there's a certain subset of people who are not dying from mortal wounds. They're not dying because they have an arrow in their heart, right? They're not dying because you know they were hit with a with a with a spear. They're dying just because they're dying. Right? We know now that there was a lot of plague back then, right? Yersinia pestis, right? Everybody knows about bubonic plague and the Black Death. So there was a lot of plague back in the back in the day, and this day was 5,000 years BC, right? It was about 10,000 years ago. So Thucydides saw a remarkable sort of cohort of people who were getting, right, the whole burning spear, right, they were getting sick, they were getting fever, and a lot of the people who were getting sick with a fever or getting warm, they were dying. But there was a basic subset of people who were getting sick, burning up, and they didn't die. And when they went around people again, who had the plague, they didn't call it the plague, I don't know exactly what they called it, but they didn't get sick anymore. So they're very intrigued by this concept. Right? This concept that right, these people were this close to dying, but they didn't die. And then they never got sick like other people got sick again. Right? They had developed an immune response, and we'll talk all about that in the days to come. Right? The first true manipulation of the immune system that we really feel deals with a manipulation of the immune system was in the, the late right beginning of the 1800s. Edward Jenner had the first successful vaccination against smallpox. Smallpox is a real, real bad disease. 
right? Probably more people on the planet have died from smallpox, smallpox, smallpox than anything else, right? Plague was a big one, but smallpox has, has been around, right, for time immemorial. And it was Jenner who was the first one to mount a response against smallpox. And he did it, right, by manipulating the immune system. So how did he do it? Well, what he did was he read the literature and people were, were reporting and people were noticing that there was another disease that looked a real lot like smallpox. And it was called cowpox. And cowpox is a disease that is, like I said, similar to smallpox that are affecting humans. Only cowpox, as its name implies, right, affects cows. So it's called smallpox, right, because the pox is the mark, right, where the virus is going to interact with the immune system and it's going to swell up on the, on, the, on the body and usually those are places where your lymph nodes are, right, so those are what pox are. So people were noticing that a similar disease in cows wasn't being transmitted to people, right, and the people that were being studied were milkmaids. Right? So, back in the 1800s, if you're a milkmaid, right, you are milking cows and you're coming into direct contact with cows that have cowpox. And these individuals, right, these women, would get things that look like poxes on their body, but they wouldn't get a disease. Right? So they were being infected by a similar virus that was infecting the cows, only they weren't developing the disease. So what did Jenner do? Jenner decided, oh, okay, well, if these individuals are protected from cowpox, maybe they'll, protect, maybe they'll be protected from smallpox. It's a pretty good hypothesis, a pretty good theory. Only when he tries to test his theory, I mean, clearly his theory works because, right, because it happened, but if he tried to do it today, Ay, ay, ay. He'd be on TMZ and on the front of every newspaper and he'd be in front of every court in the world because what did Jenner decide to do? So Jenner goes and he takes those poxes from these milkmaids and scrapes them off and he collects a bunch of these poxes. So far so good, right? We haven't hurt any human yet. So then what does he do? He brings a whole bunch of kids into his office. Right. So that, that's a big red flag right there to start. And then what does he do? He injects these children with these extracts from the milkmaids. And he waits. Right? We're definitely on TMZ by now. And he waits. And they don't get the disease. Right? Nothing happens. Okay. So that's good for the first trial and the first thousand years of his life in jail. Then what does he do? takes the kids and he brings them to a smallpox ward and he says, here, go inside and play. Ay, 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 right? Not enough money in the world could protect him these days from doing that. So what happens? What he finds out is, kids are fine. Everybody else is getting smallpox in that room. Kids are playing, they're going home, they're not giving smallpox to anybody else. They're fine. The first manipulation of the immune system, right? 
from time going forward from there, right, they started vaccinating a whole bunch of different things, right? Louis Pasteur was going to get into the act. He's going to, right, he's the first one to deal with anthrax. So he's going to protect cattle. At least he's dealing with cattle. So he's going to try to protect cattle from anthrax, right? But all these things are going on over the course of time, right? That sort of leads us to where we are today, right? And just like every other branch of, of, uh, of life sciences, right? We have cell culture, we have recombinant DNA methodology, we have protein biochemistry, right? It's this whole mixture of things that are taking place, right? We're mapping genomes, right? We're doing all sorts of cool things here in the 21st century, right? So that's where we are in terms of leading up to what, we've, what we have, right? So what exactly is the immune system, right? The immune system can be broken down into two sort of separate mm, branches, let's say. They're still going to cooperate each other. They're still going to work together with each other. But we can see these two sort of basic branches that are going to take place. Right? So defense against pathogens is mediated by early reactions of what are called innate immunity and later responses of what are called adaptive immunity. Okay? So this innate response, this natural or native immunity, is going to be the early response of the immune system. Right? It consists of, again, cellular and biochemical defenses. So we have the same cells, we have the same molecules that are in place before an infection, and it can respond very rapidly. Going to respond within minutes, if not hours, to a detection of a foreign pathogen. Right? When the war is on, right, between your immune system and that pathogen, it's on from the minute the immune system recognizes it. We cannot allow that invader to gain any sort of traction inside our body. So we need something to respond almost instantly. And when we talk about the innate response, that's what we're talking about. As it turns out, every animal on the planet has an innate response. By every animal, I mean every dog, every cat, every starfish, every crab, every earthworm. Can I think of any other creepier? Every mosquito, every fly, right? All animals, and let's include our relatives, the plants, right? They are our relatives because we are all eukaryotes, after all, right? They all have this natural or this native immunity. It's only when we start talking about, right, this is where our demarcation is coming in, between cartilaginous fish and above, that we have adaptive immunity, or what's called specific immunity. And specific immunity is a later response of the immune system. It's going to consist, again, of a bunch of cellular and biochemical defenses that are stimulated by exposure to pathogens. And this response is going to increase in magnitude and defensive capabilities with each successful exposure to a particular antigen. Uh, sorry, I said antigen. Sorry. To a particular pathogen. So your body is going to remember that encounter. That crab that's sitting out there in Boston Harbor doesn't remember its encounter with the last time. 
Right? That's why vaccination works. Because your body remembers that you were exposed to cowpox. Right? So if you're exposed to its cousin smallpox, you're able to fight it off. All right? That can't happen in a crab, and it doesn't happen in an earthworm. Right? And we'll talk about why it doesn't happen. Right? It also, the adaptive immune system has the capacity to remember an encounter with a particular pathogen. So that's why everybody in this room has been vaccinated at some point in time. Right? Hopefully we've all been vaccinated against things like right, measles and German measles and polio and things like that. Right? So that if you ever become uh, involved or if you ever become exposed right, to that polio virus sometime in the future, your immune system is already cranked up and ready to go. Right? We'll talk about this in great detail. We're going to talk about this for the next three months. Right? Basically that part. Okay? So, let's start talking a little bit about right, concepts. The concepts of an antigen and an antibody. Right? So, I'm going to abbreviate antigen, and everybody abbreviates it, right, in the book with a capital A, little g, and an antibody with a capital A, little b. Hopefully everybody has, right, knows something about an antibody, right? But this is going to be involved with immunogenicity, the ability to induce, right, a humoral and or a cell-mediated immune response, right? If I inject something into the body or if I'm, or if I'm exposed to it, my immune system is going to turn on. Right? That's immunogenicity. It means that I'm able to recognize that invader. There will be certain times, there will be certain pathogens, there will be certain evolutionary tricks. Right? Again, we've been fighting this war for a long time. Right? Us against them. Right? The us is the eukaryotes and the them are the prokaryotes. Right? We've been on this planet half a billion years, maybe as much as a billion years. We've been fighting this war for a real long time, right? So we have tricks to be able to detect them and destroy them, and they have counter tricks to be able to detect and fool and destroy us as well, right? So the ability to be able to respond and induce the immune response, right, as we come into contact with that pathogen. We're going to rename that pathogen. We're going to give it a more general sort of, uh, uh, of a definition now. We're going to call it an antigen, right? And an antigen is a substance that's capable of, of eliciting the immune response, okay? It's called antigen, right? It's sort of a contraction for antibody generation, right? Something that's able to, uh, to stimulate an antibody, right? An antibody generation. That's why we talk about the, an antigen. But, again, it's that pathogen, it's that macromolecule, it's everything we were talking about before. If something is antigenic, it's capable of causing the production of an antibody, right? So the antibody is what we have, right? Hopefully everybody, right, at some time in your career, Right, you got a pretty good idea about what an antibody is, right? There are molecules that we're going to secrete that are going to bind to and, and participate in the destruction of the antigen or participate in the destruction of the pathogen. Okay. So it's the concept of, of antigenicity. The other thing, right, and now 
Right? We're right in the middle of it. Right? This is where we might you know, sort of move apart from each other for a while. Right? So, we have an antigen. We also have the concept of what's called the antigenic determinant. And the antigenic determinant is a discrete site on an antigen that's going to be recognized and bound by the antibody or, right, and put this one into the back of your brain, right, or a T-cell receptor. And a T-cell receptor is another molecule that's very similar to an antibody that's produced by a different cell, right, antibodies are produced by B cells. The T-cell receptor is going to sit on the surface of a T-cell. When we talk about lymphocytes, we'll talk about this, right? It's also called an epitope. So why am I talking about all these things? Let's think for a second about what we're talking about, right? So here's my antibody, and it's binding to this bacteria, right? I'm a very bad cartoonist, right? And I'm also very bad in terms of scale, because if the antibody was this big compared to the bacteria. But remember, right, this is a molecule, this is a, an entire being. So there's our antibody binding to our to our antigen, to our pathogen. So that fits the definition for an antigenic determinant, right? That is the epitope, where the antibody binds to the pathogen. So that fits the, our definition of what we need to talk about. But if we take a, right, a magnified sort of view, right, so that's why we're getting a little bit bigger here, right, so the antibody gets a little bit, for some reason, the bacteria stays the same, but that's okay. So, bacteria has a bunch of proteins on the surface. So here's a protein binding to a protein. That's right, satisfying our definition of antibody binding to an epitope. Epitope is exactly the same, just we're getting more and more and more information about it. Okay. So, if we zoom in even closer, so here's that protein. Right? that's sitting on the surface of that bacteria, and here's our antibody binding to that protein now. Still the same definition as this, as this, right? We're just getting closer and closer and closer. So, let's just take a look at this part of the antibody molecule binding to this part of the protein. So here are a bunch of amino acids that make up this antibody protein binding to amino acids or recognizing amino acids on the surface of that protein. Right? Our definition is still the same. Here, right, if we're just going to look at valine, 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 binding and recognizing valine cysteine phenylalanine, right, these R groups, right, from the backbone of the amino acids are what are going to be interacting with each other. Right? Still, this is the definition of an epitope. This is the definition of an antigenic determinant. Right? Because these two things are binding. We could go even closer. Right? My chemistry, my organic chemistry is from about 1970, I won't even tell you, but they still talk about shells and orbitals, right? And all that sort of stuff. If we wanted to, we could get even closer. Right? By looking, right, what unbound pair of electrons, what shell, blah, 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 blah. Right? That's still going to give and talk about our definition of antigenic determinant. So, if you want to be in the lab, you've got to show up tomorrow. Right? If you can't make it, email me, let me know. Okay.
Oke. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, that looks good.